When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey everyone, Matt Williamson back at you here, and we're just going to dig right in. I want to talk about the Steelers running back depth chart, and who we're projecting to make the team, roles, how they've looked in camp, that type of thing. A couple overriding nuggets, you know, this position is not easy to evaluate, especially when they're not in pads and not being physical, or taking you know backs to the ground. Preseason will go further for my evaluations than practice, but there are you know you're able to see them move and how they're acclimating, how they catch football, those types of things. Um, as I'm sure a lot of you know, after he got his foot stepped on, Najee was shut down for a while. They're going to be very sparing with his touches. I doubt he even touches the ball in the preseason. Maybe a series, maybe. Um, we also know that Harris has. In his rookie year, had a uncommon workload. I mean, a really high percentage of carries, touches, snaps, all those things. Uh, 94 targets last year. It probably will go down, but I do think his degree of difficulty of target, and what I mean by that is not just Ben dumping it off to him, you know, running routes, being exploited outside the numbers, things like exploiting defenses outside the numbers. Those are in his future, and I think he can be great at it. So I think his usage in the passing game will change. He might not get as many targets, but they will be better, more high-quality targets, and I'm very excited about it. I mean, he has very long arms. He has a huge catching radius. And I don't know that Steeler fans have seen enough of that. You know, catching balls over his head, one-handed catches. Those are all the norm for him, which is uncommon for a running back. Um, He's added weight. His body looks tremendous. So uh, he has the absolute mentality and leadership that this team adores. I mean, he has workhorse traits. And they're going to use him accordingly. I mean, much as Coach Tomlin did with Le'Veon Bell, that... I used to complain and be like, man, coach, you can't you know, run Bell into the ground. This is a mistake. It's going to cost you later. And and I understand that there's been injuries, but these guys all get hurt. I mean, that's a hard thing to count on. Um, but you got to think as coaches think, too. I mean, just like with the case with Lev Bell, there aren't any situations where Harris isn't your best option. Who's your best short yardage guy? Who's your best receiver? Who's your best first and 10 pure runner? Who's best in protection? 
So then I don't think they plan on having him here for the next eight years. I mean, I think they're going to use him up and beat him up and ride him, especially with the young quarterback. And I think he's very equipped to do so. Um, I didn't, he didn't look quite as explosive to me last year as I expected. That's something to watch, but he also didn't have a whole lot of a runway to get going, broke a lot of tackles and to his credit, he never fumbled once in the regular season, you know, so we know who he is, you know, let's move on here to some of these other guys, Benny Snell. I've been hard on Benny Snell because here's my problem with Benny Snell is he is tough He is a workhorse mentality at a smaller college program, and he can handle a lot of touches, and he gets better as the game goes on. But (laughs) I don't want to give him that many touches to find that out. You know, like I don't want him to get on touch 20 to 25 when he's wearing down a defense because then he's just not dynamic enough to deserve those touches. So what have we seen lately from him, though? First of all, he's remade himself as – A special teamer, which he didn't do in college, great. I think that's very commendable and gives him a leg up over a lot of these guys because he is one of the few core special teamers, and there's five, six, seven of them on the team. He's one of them. Um, I will say, to his credit, and again, this is early in the season. Your body hasn't taken a toll. Nobody's hitting you. He looks quicker to me. His feet look lighter. He looks, uh, I don't know if his body's changed. It doesn't look noticeably different to me, but he looks very quick in and out of his breaks compared to before. I mean, I thought of him more as a plotter, but I, I do think he looks a little better in that regard. It shows up in route running. It shows up in space, just quick, you know, left, right, this, you know, quickness that he didn't have before. So I think he's an NFL player. I think he'll make this team. I don't think he's the ideal two. But that probably would be a committee if Harris were to fall anyway, even for one game or 10 games or whatever. And Snell would be in that mix. Anthony McFarlane, bit of an enigma. I mean, with his talent, five-star recruit, he should be have made more of a, a name for himself at the college level than he has so far. Hasn't been the case. And... I think there's a couple of reasons for it is some of these immensely talented backs, and I'm not saying he's as talented as Saquon Barkley, but it, it, the games come easy to him in some degree. And, and Barkley is the same way where it, you, you can't just dance and try to hit a 120-yard touchdown every play. And I think McFarland has some of that where I can wait, 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 and then be the best athlete on the field, explode, and you know be a dominant player. That doesn't work here. Doesn't work in the league, and I think he's learned that. Um, I used to do the old foghorn leghorn thing with him. So, you know, I, I see you doing a lot of chopping, boy, but there ain't no chips a flying. You know, a lot of arms and legs flailing around, and a lot of wasted motion, but not gaining any ground or eating up any any grass. So, not an efficient runner. Like Snell, though, I. Don't think the book is written on him. You know, this guy was drafted in 2020, Snell in 19, that they can get better. And I do think McFarland's had a good camp. Um, Again, it's versus air. It's rarely 11 versus 11. It's not playing the Ravens on a Sunday afternoon. But he's definitely more decisive. His big playability and juice is apparent. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But what I'm most excited about just watching camp and mini camp and all the two, he's a pretty good pass catcher. He, he looks much better running routes. 
And like Harris, they're not just dump off routes. I mean, he's running, running wheel routes down the sidelines. They're throwing him passes 20, 30 yards down the field. Um, they certainly like him in terms of a before-the-snap jet motion type, and they, that goes back to last year as well. So there's something there. Um, he's definitely at a crossroads, pivotal point of his career that could go either way. I mean, he could either really emerge as a change of pace type of guy, you know, that's a big play threat that they could really use out of this backfield, or he could get cut and not be and be hard to trust. And I think this year will determine one or the other. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So a couple other guys aren't as well known. Master Teague, Mateo Durant, Jalen Warren, and they still have Jeremy McNichols on the reserve list. Warren's the one I want to focus on. This guy's pretty good. I mean, we've seen undrafted late round running backs make impacts year after year in this league. I think Warren might be next. And I'm willing to say, not only do I think he'll lead the team in preseason carries, yardage, highlights, he might unseat Snell as the number two. Now, he's short. I mean, he's very short, but he is very thickly built. He has short arms, which in the backs and back on backers drill that I watched in protection were not a hindrance to him, but I'm not exactly sold that he can be good enough in protection with his dimensions, particularly the arm length, but we'll see. He certainly is not bashful or, you know, afraid, that's for sure. Um, he has that Maurice Jones-Drew body type, though. It's not a Sproles or certainly not a Dre Archer type. I mean, he is thick, and he is a pinball, and he is a bounce-off tackle, really good foot frequency. His feet are always moving. He's very decisive, as you would imagine, He's low and compact and powerful. He's got some wiggle. He's decisive. Um, he's caught the ball quite well. Also, down the field. I mean, I think they're going to throw to their backs down the field more than they have, including Warren. But he's not going to have a big catching radius. He's not going to go up like Najee and pluck it over a safety's head or anything like that. 
but I can't wait to watch him in the preseason. I think there really is something there with Jalen Warren. So keep an eye on him. Uh, number 30. I think he, he'll be someone you can't miss when the games start. And I think he'll get a very featured role in the preseason and beyond. Um, most folks, including myself, were, I didn't have a strong feeling on it, but liked Mateo Durant better than Jalen Warren as rookie undrafted, you know, UDFAs. He's been fine. I mean, if it wasn't for Warren, I think people would be talking a little bit more about Durant, you know, that he's capable. You know, I don't know where him and Warren, although I know they both are in this, you know, are, are being used on special teams. I don't know exactly if they're good or bad at it yet. You know, that's a hard thing to decipher, especially not with any game tape. That'll be huge, obviously, for both their careers, but probably more so Durant, because I think Warren's making this team as a running back alone. Um, Durant's taller. He's not as powerful or as thickly built, but he's accomplished. And I could definitely see him on the Steelers practice squad or another practice squad, or back at camp next year, and maybe a Snell or McFarland's out of the picture, and he, he's a year older, a year wiser, understands the league a little better, and hooks on. But again, he's a tough one for me because he has to be not an adequate special teamer, but a good one, a core guy. You know, he, he needs to be on kickoff, kickoff, kickoff. Uh, uh, field goal uh, block even, punt, all those things, all these phases he needs to be very involved in. I don't know if he is or not. No big deal if he isn't, but that's going to be his only shot to really make the team. Um, Master Teague, uh, he was thrown in the mix here when uh, Jeremy McNichols was injured. I was never super impressed with him. You know, as you would imagine, Ohio State had to – he was not – a great Ohio State back. He was fine, but always shared time with highly um, recruited, highly skilled Ohio State players, of course. You know, um, he's at the bottom end of that as Ohio State packs go in recent memory. Kind of a monotone runner, good body, um, long shot, to be very honest with you. And as for McNichols, I think he's the direct competition for everything I just said about McFarland. Um, only a change of pace, never a bell cow, good receiving skills, explosive, big play threat, but not super dangerous. Oh, Jeremy McNichols is on the field. What are we going to do? He's going to break a long one, you know, alert, alert. No, I mean, he's, that's his style, but it's a lesser, more monotone version than what you really want as a come in the game for 10 or 12 touches and light it up and then get out of there and don't get worn down and, you know, a true curveball. So I have mixed feelings if he's going to be in the mix or, you know, what this injury situation does for his future with the Steelers. Do they they keep him and ride it out or just move on and find somebody just like him? So last note is kind of a big picture thing here is when camp opened – I really thought the three positions the Steelers should concentrate on to find a veteran that's cut or somebody that's still out there is a true number two receiver or a true number two running back, you know, someone better than Snell. Again, this is my thoughts on camp open. Um, another edge pass rusher that's as good as Avery or better, you know, the, the Ingram experience. The problem is a lot of those guys don't play special teams and Avery's all right. But anyway, 
and um, an offensive tackle, which that scares me. You probably won't have a shot at an offensive tackle. You definitely will have a shot at a running back, whether it's cut or whatever. I used to think about David Johnson on this team, but never really did cartwheels about that. But the more I think about it, and I want to see preseason to really evaluate these guys, if Warren's as good as I think, and Snell and McFarland are improved, I mean, they're not going to be world beaters, but if, if I'm right about those three things, and Durant's not a throwaway, he's still in the mix, I probably roll into the into the regular season with the guys I got. You know, originally I didn't think I would look at the running back position that way. I mean, asking Najee to hold up with what you're going to ask of him is asking a lot no matter what, you know. So I think he, he hate to say this, but runs a little bit higher risk than the average back because of all the usage, all the snaps. But he's young and built for it. Um, so I would, if someone fell in your lap, you know, Denver cuts Melvin Gordon. I mean, if it's a D'Angelo Williams type of guy that, Again, this pie in the sky, you probably won't get that guy. I'm not trading for Kareem Hunt, by the way. Uh, I think I roll with this young group and see what they do. And they're all young enough, but also basically experienced enough that if they don't break out this year or show that they're clear NFL players, you know, Snell, McFarland in particular, uh, next year's fourth round pick might be on a back. You know, I think you got to look at that. So that's a wrap. I'm coming at you every week or every day this week with podcasts. Uh, if you guys are listening and want something specific, I'm only going to do five of them. I got three in the book. So if there's something specific you want me to sit down and chat with you guys with for 15, 20 minutes, I'm open to ideas. Um, that's a wrap. Thanks so much. Over and out.